We've got even more preview content for this episode on youtube.com slash high resolution. It's all in video. Every week we put up more content there. So if you're following us here, you've got to follow us there. YouTube.com slash high resolution spelled correctly. How, how do you feel about, so, I mean, you've obviously worked on enough teams. Like there's always either one person or like a set of people that tend to play the devil's advocate mm. role, right? Um, I actually heard an interesting, well, interesting story that led to a quote that I, I think is a good question that you ask when you get criticism, which is um, apparently when someone critiques your work, you ask the question, how would you make this better, mm. right? First, I want to make sure that that is actually that your... That sounds right. Did I say okay, that good. or where did that come great. from? Um, Places. Places. Okay. <laughs> We've been doing our homework. Yeah, great. Okay. great. <laughs> and, and that quote actually made me think about just devil people playing devil's mm. advocate and how unhelpful mm. that tends to be. I actually find people playing the devil's advocate role, people giving themselves permission to criticize without mm. bringing anything new to the table. I mean, I don't, maybe you disagree with that, but I... I well, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, in order to... In order to effectively progress down the path of design, yeah. you need a bunch. You need a bunch of stuff, but you you find in that devil's advocate role like half of an equation that's really important. Right. Half of it is looking at a situation and asking where does what's current miss what sure. could or should be. And you're identifying uh, the 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 fit miss the misfit right. And that's important. Like a good design process begins with that identification of misfit mm-hmm. and then iterating until fit replaces it. You want that. Uh, but you want it paired, or at least in my experience, uh, you want it paired with a kind of optimism that we can get there, a kind of uh, uh, generative or constructive desire to help move the ball forward from whatever is causing the misfit to what might not cause it. And so... When I'm asking people to take criticism and uh, take it one step further to imagine a reality where it wouldn't be a problem, mm-hmm. I'm asking them to just pick up the other half as well. It's great to see something that's wrong. Um, it's really easy just to poo-poo an idea then and yeah, not go any further. Exactly. It's kind of a, it can be a kind of a, a lazy stopping place. Right. And in the context of design, it can be a, an energy destroyer. You You need to to pair that eye of critique with the optimism of someone who's always in a process of, of improvement and, and constructivism. So it's really about just moving the ball through to the other side. Yeah. I remember back at IDEO, uh, this was a, it was so embedded in the culture there. So anyone who was sort of like a wet blanket just uh, would not survive. And I remember speaking uh, once with a designer who was really struggling with that. They had come from a culture where critique was praised and they didn't understand why their critique wasn't uh, being seen in a right. positive light, and I, I remember thinking about this metaphor that like every every lump of coal is also a potential diamond, mm. and do you pre- present it as a diamond or you present it as a lump of coal? Right. And that that's really what it comes down to. In either case, you're right. you're noticing something that's off, and do you move to optimistically invite people into a process of making the off on, mm. or do you just point out the off and back away and say it's someone else's problem? Are right. you getting in and engaging? Uh, or are you staying on a kind of safe sideline of critique? Yeah. So it's really about like inviting people into the whole. Yeah. So we've heard a few other mantras um, from people who work with you. <laughs> okay. <And> I like <laughs> I just like to share some of them and learn what you you know 
what they mean to you and any stories that you can share around them. Sure. So, you know, I'm we already very curious myself. <laughs> we already spoke about how would you make it better. Okay. Um, I've heard we just plot on. Oh, yeah. Well, that's um, not mine. That's Johnny's. Okay. But yeah, yeah, that's a great one. There's so much to do. Yeah. There is always mm-hmm. so much to do. <laughs> and, um, and the one I'm actually most interested about, design and engineering have different needs. Design for that. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so let's let's look at them one at a time. So the the first one was plot, or was there one before plot? Yeah. So John, Johnny Ive has been a huge influence on me. I, not that we're like close buddies or anyway, but uh, I think the processes and the intentionality with which he and at the time that he and Steve were working together, they um, applied themselves in the context of design. Uh, he, he has more intention with the words and the f- phrases that he chooses to talk about how they work than anyone else I've ever come across. So I tend to hang on his every word in a really uh, careful way because they're not—they're very deliberate, those choices. Um, plotting is an interesting and very British thing to say. You know, if you think about what plotting feels like, it's like being in a muddy, mucky mire somewhere with heavy boots and just kind of trudging from one step to the next. And ironically, the, the way that he describes the process of bringing something like the iPhone to life is using that word. He says, we just plod on. That there's nothing truly magical or fanciful. It doesn't feel like little fairies flying around in the air, breathing right. pixie dust on you all the time. It's, it's a, a bit of a trudge of over and over and over again, finding the places where there's coal and turning them into diamonds. Mm. And that repeated process has a sort of trudgery to it that you have to be willing to engage in mm. as a portion of the craft. It, it is so distinct from the final product, which often feels shiny and beautiful and naively obvious, that I think it's really important to remember that where you're trying to get to and the cleanliness and crispness of that end goal can feel quite different than the process of how you get there, right. which actually can be pretty mundane yeah. and pretty hard. It's a hard, long slog sometimes of just over and over and over and over finding and sanding the edges that are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that humility of recognizing in oneself the need to bring that kind of a work ethic, the need to show up in that way and be willing to plod. Yeah. Uh, there's a, actually a sign on my wall here, which is a... A similar uh, sign I made for myself from Henry Miller, the the playwright, uh, which is this really funny phrase, when you can't create, you can work. Mm. It took me a while to really get a sense for what he's talking about there. Mm. This is those moments of inspiration where you feel the spark and you just have the wind behind you, Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you've caught a a disease and you just need to carry it forward. But there's a lot of days you just got to show up. And you got to right. fill in the gaps on, on what the, the inspiration that was scaffolded out before you. Mm-hmm. And to recognize that there's actually a back and forth between those two things has also been really helpful. It's a bit of a combination of those two things. So you, there's another ism that we heard about you that you just used without knowing, uh-huh. uh, it, which is uh, uh, naively obvious, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, is that a gentryism? Is no, it? I think that's probably also Johnny. Is that a Johnnyism? Yeah. <laughs> I don't what, know actually where they. It, 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 what, what, what does that mean? Naively obvious. Yeah. How do you know? How do you know? when you've designed something that is naively obvious? Um, so I think the larger context in which I think of that phrase is, yeah. is actually in, in Johnny's definition of simplicity. Mm-hmm. So often we think of simplicity as like an imposed aesthetic of minimalism, mm-hmm. a reduction, mm-hmm. a getting things away. And that may or may not be an important goal given the challenge, but that's not, that's not really what you're after in the 
in the abstract. What you're after is that that place Steve Jobs used to talk about, like a bell curve, where when you get started on a project, you uh, you're you have this uninformed optimism that the problem is going to be solvable and you know how to solve it, and so you're going to do it, and that's what le- leaps you in. And then after you're in there for a while, you get to this place where now you understand the complexities that you're actually facing, and you have this kind of informed complexity slash maybe pessimism where you you're no longer in that naive place of assuming it's going to be simple you actually understand the problem is pretty complex mm-hmm. he used to argue that if you keep going you'd co- go, go down the other side of that curve where you'd reach a solution that was as obvious in its expression as your understanding of the problem was obvious when you began that you would eventually find the complexities collapsing back in on themselves to a place where you would reach on the other side a kind of informed simplicity yeah. where the solution the best way you can describe your relationship to the solution when you saw it yeah. especially if you had not been in that process yourself mm-hmm. is you would look at the solution and you would simply say of course right. of course this is the solution what took so long <laughs> why was this so hard yeah. and this is like the weird uh, the weird challenge that we face as designers is if we do our job right that's what we want to hear out the other side right. is people saying what the hell took you so long? Yeah. Why was this so difficult? And that, that is the naive, the naive obviousness that, um, that I think is a, is a guiding light for a, a, lot, a lot of us is how do we, can we get our solutions to a place where um, they're real in yeah. a way that our uninformed naivete never was, yeah. but they also hold that, of course. They also hold that, that simplicity of something that just, just wants to be, just, just needs to be, just seems like just seems like the world was always ready for it. For decades, design has impacted how we live. Now it's beginning to shape how we work. Here at IBM, design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming, for co-creating with our clients and users. It's helping us make decisions faster, and it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do. 